Hi. Welcome to Drinking the Kool-Aid. Welcome. I'm Megs. I'm Hannah. And we are now on to a part three of the Radium Girls. Yes, we are. So uh, the book I read, this feels so weird doing this every time. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> the book I read was Radium Girls by Kate Moore. And um, a recap of the last episode. And don't even try to shorten this one because I, I am already making it short. Okay. <laughs> I know your your wheels are probably turning even more now. But uh, so in the last part, we talked about a lot of Jaws situations, a lot of jaw bones coming out. Um, I had talked a bunch in circles and more circles about all the times that people started realizing, hey, maybe radium isn't so great, but then tried to do something and got shut down every single flipping time. <laughs> and that, what did you make a noise for? I'm not making a noise. Oh, I thought I heard a noise and I was like, what did I do? It no. <laughs> it's like... I automatically thought I screwed it up, and I was like, wait a second. Every it's- single time. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you did make a noise. No. Oh. All right, fine. Okay, fine. Uh, now you made me lose my spot. I gave it back every single time. Oh, yeah. Oh, nope, it's gone. Okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, had, I had ended it with letting you guys know or introducing you to Dr. Martlin. And then I said, oh, huge mystery just fell in his lap because it did. And from there, we are going to pick up literally right when he first jumped into this and tried to start doing something about it. He was like the Sherlock of his time. Yeah, literally. So. That's boy who he admired. Mm, perfect. So, yeah. And I, you're going to see... He really turns into, like, a Sherlock. He really does his best on this. Okay. So, the first case called to his attention was in June of 1925, when the very first male employee died, uh, Dr. Lemon. So, I'm just pointing that out. Like, it was a male employee, not... They didn't... You know, that was the first one... It was big because it was male versus all the girls that were down on the floor. Uh-huh. So Marlin uh, was asked to do an autopsy due to him passing very quickly from anemia, but like too quickly. They were like, wait a second, something was weird. Maybe it's not a coincidence like huh. we thought. Right. So Martlin suspected radium poisoning, but he needed to prove it. Uh, the tests he ran did not show radium as being the problem. So he had realized he needed more specialist help to prove that it actually was. So he contacted someone at USRC and Von Sakaki. They were allowed to do further testing at the uh, labs at USRC as long as they promised to stay quiet about their findings. Okay. Right. So they're like, okay, go ahead, use the lab. But you better not tell a damn soul what is going to happen, what you figure out. So, um... The testing process for this caused, actually, like, caused them to make medical history as they were the very first people to ever measure radioactivity in a human body, and their test was a success. They had proved that he had died from radium poisoning. So this is the very, very, very first time they can be like, no, he definitely had died from radium poisoning. Like, this is the first person that they're like, holy shit, 
we've got some sort of evidence. Okay, I mean, I guess that's huge. It, it sucks is. for all the ladies that had to, you know, experience this prior. Oh, you mean the ones that they just chalked up to syphilis? Yeah, those ones. Yeah. So in order to do this test, they had to reduce his bone to ashes and use an electric electrometer to measure the amount of radioactivity that was in them. So like at the time, at this exact moment, the only way to test it is if they reduce their bones to dust. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Which is unhelpful for if- anybody that's living. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Marlin went to meet uh, Marguerite, and while doing so, he noticed that her sister Sarah wasn't doing so great herself. So after running tests, he determined her sister, too, needed to be admitted to the hospital. Um, She had a fever of over 105. So there's that. Oh, my God. It's going to, like, cook her brains. Right. And for anybody who's had a fever, like, over 102, I I remember going to the doctor with a fever of 103 once, and I'm not even shitting you. Like, I crawled through the doors. I could not walk. Everything hurt. It was atrociously awful. So I cannot even begin to imagine being at 105. Right. Um... So together, the sisters lay, sharing a room, not having any idea how horrible of a fate they had ahead of them. So Martlin desperately wanted to test them for radium poisoning, but as we discussed, how the hell do you do that if they're still alive because you can't reduce their bones to dust? So him and Von Sakaki came up with their own way to be able to test living patients. Okay, so my guess is maybe... They have to pull out, like, a tooth, which would have a, some of their jawbone, or maybe they have to cut off a toe. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Way to take it from, like, okay, to, like, a, the extreme. <laughs> You're like, their teeth are falling out anyways, so maybe just pop a tooth out of there. But no, yeah. let's cut off a whole ass fucking toe. Well, yeah, like, if they don't have that jaw thing going on yet, then maybe they just gotta take a toe. You can move on without one of those. Okay, well... Not quite. Oh. Not quite on either of them. No, the tooth one is actually a really good theory. Okay. That I actually, like, that That could have been a good theory there, but no, unfortunately, neither of those are correct. Okay. I tried. <laughs> so, they had come up with the two methods. One was called the expired air test, in which a person would blow through bottles into an electroscope. So they could measure the amount of radon, and the second method was called the gamma ray test, in which the person would sit in front of an electroscope so that it could read the gamma radiation coming from their skeletons. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I guess that sounds better than my <laughs> Does way. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> so... The very first person to ever be tested for radium poisoning while alive would be Marguerite's sister, Sarah. Now, removed from her sister's room, unfortunately, due to being so sick, she was going to be the person who either proved or disproved what they had been fighting for this entire time. So, they ran their very first test by holding the electrometer 18 inches from her bones. And this is what apparently is... a. It's weird wording, but it's, like, a normal leak. Okay. That's what it's called. It, that's what they call it. So, it's, like, a normal leak is, like, 10 subdivisions in an hour. Sarah had leaked 14 subdivisions. 
Then they did a breath test, which normal rage would be five subdivisions in a half hour. Sarah's was 15.4, meaning she was actually breathing out radium. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like running through her so much at this point that she was actually breathing it out. Well, I mean, at least they know now, like they can prove it. Right. So Sarah deteriorated very quickly and became very delirious due to all the pain that she was in. Uh, She became septic, had blood vessels bursting, and had pus and blood coming out of her mouth on a constant basis. Oh my gosh, okay. So, only after a week of being admitted, she passed away on June 18th. Martland immediately jumped in and he was like, let me do an autopsy. You know, let me make this a even more proven fact. Um, and now he knew how to be able to do it. And so he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to test for radium poisoning. Um, and then like this time he wouldn't have to keep it a secret, right? Because he could do this on his own accord. He didn't have to necessarily do that because he already did the testing and everything. He learned how to do it. Yeah. So now he can do these things on his own and not have to keep it on the DL because the USRC is like, oh, you can only test here if you keep it a secret. Okay. So, I mean, that sounds good. It is. So, and I mean, honestly, really freaking smart on his part. Yeah. Learn how to do the process, figure it out, and then be like, yeah, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. And now I don't have to keep it a secret anymore. Hell yeah. As soon as Sarah had passed, he let all of his suspicions fly, like, to the media. I mean, to the, you know, to the newspapers and whatnot. And he was like, here it is. He made it clear that it was suspicions because obviously he's only proven it, you know, a couple of times at this point and only on one living person. But also, he was trying to prove that it wasn't at the same time. Like, he wanted to be like, hey, yeah, I've got this proof, but I am going to say it's a suspicion just because I don't want to, you know, run myself over with this and get myself in more trouble. So he's trying to kind of stay in the middle, but he's releasing the information, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. So they picked the story right up and put it in the paper. Uh, The very same paper that Marguerite was asking the nurses to see. She was denied, unfortunately, and when she asked why, they informed her of her sister Sarah's death because, yep, you heard that correctly. They had not told her yet. I don't even understand why you would do that. She was in the same fucking hospital as her sister, and they didn't tell her. And then she wasn't able to uh, go to the funeral because she was too sick. Oh, my gosh. So... That's awesome of them. I mean, I'm sure that they were trying not to tell her because, like, if you're already really sick and, you know, close to death, they probably don't want to say anything. But But at the same time, it's not your place. No, and you're in the same freaking hospital. Yeah. Like, you were sharing a room and she got moved because she was too sick. Right. You've got to tell her. She's going to ask where she is. It's just, I, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not... I don't don't love that idea. I don't either. I'm not on board with it. So Martland had put everything into testing Sarah's body because, of of course, the company was like, that didn't have to do with radium. (laughs) (laughs) Did you expect that? I mean. (laughs) They immediately, they were like, yep, that definitely isn't correct. So he examined her incredibly thoroughly and noted that her bad leg had been four centimeters shorter than her other leg, 
and that her bone marrow was dark red instead of yellow and fatty like um any healthy like any adult that was healthy would have so theirs would be like yellow and fatty hers was um hers was dark red which is terrifying i didn't even know it could like i mean i knew it changed your chemistry but like not that much right right he said the radium was in the heart of her bones, meaning the very layer where bone marrow is produced. It was directly next to it. So, I mean, this shit was deep. It's not just on the surface. It eats everything away. Wow. He tested her organs and bones that weren't even near the mouth as, you know, that's where it's going to be the most radioactive because that's where the girls were Putting everything in the start of the issues almost always were in the mouth. Yeah, they're ingesting it. So he discovered that her entire body was radioactive. Not even the bones that were like close to her mouth or anything. Like literally every single bone in her body was radioactive. So it just seeps into everything. Literally everything. Just eats it away. That's terrifying. So he did one last test and I truly think... This is brilliant. Um, he took some of Sarah's bones and strapped dental films, like for like x-rays, you know, like the dental films you get. Yep. Um, all over them. He strapped them all over the bones and then he left them in a dark room. Um, when performing this experiment on regular healthy bones, he would leave them in place for a few months at a time, sometimes up to four months, and absolutely nothing would happen to the film, okay? So, like, it would be completely like it was the day that he stuck it in there. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Do you? It's going to be blurry. So, when Sarah's bones were left for only 60 hours, okay? He left other ones in there for four months. Yeah. And nothing happened. But Sarah's bones were in there for 60 hours, and they caused white exposure patches all over the film. Yeah, because I remember that uh, there was something about in the first one where he had done an x-ray and then put like a piece of her jaw or something in it and then it got all blurry. He did. Holy shit. See, I listen to you sometimes. listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly so. And it's just because it's so radioactive. Mm -hmm. So anytime it's near any x-rays, like the bones in general, if they're near x-rays, they'll just completely white it out. But wow. I mean, 60 hours versus the, you know, the, the months and months and months that he left regular bones attached. That's just, that's wild to me. I mean, that shows you how big of a problem this actually is. Right. And how fast it can affect things. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, imagine what it's doing to the body if it can do that to an x-ray. Yeah. So the drinkers got word of Sarah's death and they finally published their original report in August Cecil of 19- Drinker. <laughs> yes, Cecil Drinker. So this was in August of 1925 and he uh, like they finally they were like screw this, we're done listening to your bullshit. Here's the actual report. Good. I was waiting for that to come out. I know, right? This started to finally blow things up a bit. Um of course, there was a response from the radium companies, but <laughs> Do you want to guess what it was? Uh, it's going to be something to the effect of the radium is not harming the girls. Everything's fine over here. Wow, you were a genius. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you are very good at this. <laughs> so now it's time to test Marguerite. And the subdivision leaks actually fluctuate on what's normal depending on environmental factors. So... 
that day it was an 8.5 in 50 minutes. Marguerite, are you... Oh, God. Okay. So that's the normal one, right? Okay. 8.5 in 50 minutes. Okay. So Marguerite measured 99.7 subdivisions. Holy shit. Yeah. This sounds really bad. So, I mean, 8.5 versus 99.7. Yeah, that's a pretty big fucking gap. Yeah. So, that wasn't higher than Von Sakaki's amount, who's turned out to be higher than anyone else, anyone else's in the first few tests. Uh, Catherine Quinta and Grace Fryer, through connections of knowing each other, and Dr. Neff, who were working with Martland, all went to get tested for radio poison. Radio? Okay. Well, all right. Radium poisoning. Wow. <laughs> that was a combo between uh, radium and poisoning, honestly. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so one by one, uh, all three of the girls took both of the tests. And then one by one, all three girls were told, in fact, they did have radium poisoning and there was no cure. Remember, at the time, like, since radio... What is wrong with me? And I keep saying that. Radium poisoning wasn't known. The girls had, like, hoped that there was something that would get figured out. Of course. Like, some type of cure. Right. And what's wrong with them, and then it was going to have a cure, and then all of a sudden they're like, hi, you have radium poisoning, and there is nothing that anybody can do about it. So now we can finally tell you that that's what it is, but... Oh, there's right. nothing that we can do. And only the girls that, like, are coming in and actually getting tested for it. Sure. So, obviously, incredibly devastating news. This was the legal proof they needed to start fighting. They had started talking to lawyers and were broken the news that there was a five-month statute of limitations for them reporting this in New Jersey, all of which all three girls were passed. So here they have the legal proof, finally, to be like, this is happening. We are not okay. It's killing us. And there's nothing they can do because it's past the statute of limitations. And I don't see exactly how that's their fault when they went in for their symptoms. They were waiting for people to figure out how to test for it. Correct, but they didn't have proof. Yeah. So, and then... You know, it would have been a little bit after the five months anyways as they started getting tested, most likely, or, like, starting to realize something was wrong, because it does take so long to affect you. And, like, I had talked about, like, the first episode, like, sometimes it's just a simple zit. Sometimes it's just a toothache. You know, it's all things that you can ignore for a while, not knowing that you have a limitation. You know, you have no idea. Yeah, but see, this is where it gets a little confusing, because, okay... How can you technically prove the exact point in time that you started feeling shitty? Right? Right, but they had proof after the five months. So it's like there's nothing they can do about it. Okay. And and I can see it on on um on these cases where they, you know, maybe had gone in and had to wait longer than five months to even realize how to test for it, and that it was radium poisoning. But it's like, okay, if you start getting some zits and you don't go in for that, how can they prove that that was the first sign? I mean, that's a great and question. And that, that counts towards the five months. Like, I, I just feel like this five-month yeah. thing is going to be really complicated. It is, but the thing is, is that people show so late in the game. Yeah. The symptoms, they show up so late to, like, 
it's it's just not even near those five months. And I, I see what you're saying. It just it seems like something that could easily be fought, but probably right. not as easy at that time. Well, because there's actually like a two year statute if filed through federal court, yeah. but they had already passed that also. Okay. So it's like a big gap between when you first start showing symptoms and when you realize what it is mm-hmm. anyways, and it's just nowhere near either of those, unfortunately. Okay. I know. It's okay. horrible. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Trust me. Merlin and Catherine Schwab got together to do something neither of them wanted to do, which was create a list of all those sick, dead, and basically knocking on death's door. This list would later be called the List of the Doomed, which, oh, that just gave me goosebumps because it's just, nah, I can't, if your name is on it, you're done. Yeah, nobody wants that. No. I mean, to have all your hopes stripped away from you. Right. Catherine had given them, or given Dr. Merlin all of the names that she could think of. He made a list, and over time, he added names to the list and also dreaded the dreaded D next to women's names, meaning they had passed on. So, Catherine was becoming sicker and sicker. She no longer got her period. She couldn't eat. Her body was not functioning properly. Her personality had changed to more of, like, a gloomy personality for completely reasonable you know, things that are happening to her. I probably wouldn't be in a good mood either. No, especially Um, when your name's on that list and you have no hope. Why would you not be gloomy? And uh, she had to be admitted for nervous issues. Um, Like nervous system? No, like, yeah, she had a lot of... um, like anxiety? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, from everything. And again, completely reasonably. Yeah. So, but um that's what they that's how they worded it. So I'm just, I rolled with it because sure. I was like, yeah. That's what it was at the time. Yeah. Right. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Marguerite was still hanging on. Her her blood cell count was 20%, which regular is obviously 100. So, um, she had almost white blood at this point. Oh, my. Her jaw had become a literal stump as most of it had rotted away. It's like you hear they're still hanging on and you're like, good for you. And then you hear what they're going through and you're like, girl, it is, I can't. Like, that sounds like one of the most painful ways to go. All of them do, yeah. So, no, un- unfortunately, as bad as it sounds, I don't wish that they would hold on because, especially when there's no cure, this right. sounds awful. And, and and it just, it's like, you know that there was hundreds of them per factory and, and yeah. it's just terrible. yeah. So, sharing the same hospital as Marguerite was Albina Larisse. Not for radium poisoning, but because she was pregnant. So she had been experiencing pain that felt off, pain that didn't make sense. But she knew something is wrong. So she was like, it's it's weird. It doesn't really make sense, but something is goofy here. She had gone into labor with her son and was told to push. So she did. But she would never get to hear his little cry. Oh, no. Because he was stillborn. Okay, now you're making me think... About that, too, because mm-hmm. 
I mean, I would venture to guess that you're going to have radium babies because yep. if it soaks so deep into you, why wouldn't it go into them? And clearly, as you see from this case, that it does affect yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, only a couple short weeks after the loss of her son, Albina started to be in a lot of pain. After no help from her family physician, she consulted Dr. Humphreys, who worked as at the orthopedic hospital. This is where she overheard some doctors talking about how she could be one of the radium cases. And and I'm honestly like hearing that after the loss of your kid and everything. I just, I would be so furious. Yeah. They placed her in a cat. Uh, Did they, you say cat? I was going to say caster. Okay. <laughs> they placed her in a plaster cast for four months. But much like... Um, so they had actually done this for Quinta, but it didn't have any benefits. So, like, this is now something they've tried more than once, and it's not benefiting. They, But they, they're putting them in this plaster cast, thinking, like, if we immobilize body parts, it'll help them heal. And it's not. It's just immobilizing the person. Oh, my God. That sounds like... Really, way worse. I I know because now you're just stuck, and you're you. And again, it gives you hope. You're like, here I am, trying so hard and hoping to God that it it helps, but it it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if you have that death sentence, you're gonna try anything that they suggest, right? I would. Also, seeing Doctor Humphreys was Edna. She had found him after being treated for rheumatism and was showing no improvements. He noted her left leg was an inch shorter than the right, which now we've seen this a couple of times. This is another common theme with them, is that they would have legs shorter than the other one. Um, He did an x-ray after she had a slight fall. It wasn't a bad one, just a normal fall. She had broken her femur. As someone who has broken their femur... <laughs> I am telling you right now, it baffled many doctors because it is not a bone that is broken easily. It truly is not. I think it's like the hardest bone to break in your body, if I remember correctly. Oh, nice I don't job. Know you knew that. <laughs> they say it's like comparable to cement. But um, she literally just fell. She tripped and fell and she broke her femur. So if that doesn't like give you a good example of how weak and brittle their bones are at this point, I mean... It's just, it keeps getting worse, I swear. Yeah, because they're all young. I know, and every time I think about that, ugh. What her x-ray did not show was any signs of radium poisoning, so she was treated with a plaster cast and sent on her way. It's just so awful because, like, knowing everything we know now, it's like, ugh. All I can do is cringe as you give more details oh. on these poor women. I know it. I know it. And and it's crazy because, like, I don't know if you remember me when I very first started this one. I was like, I don't know if it's going to be true crimey. And then I got, like, into it and I'm like, oh, my God, this turned into the most true crime shit ever. Like, it went from zero to a hundred. I When I first found out about this, I did not think it was going to fit well. But here we are. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I did a whole story on, like... Everybody loves a baby. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that's and that wasn't really true crimey. Yeah, at that's all. a good point. No, I guess I was just paranoid about it. So because I think I'm me. that 
we've really blurred the lines a few times before. Yeah, no, we definitely have. I just remember getting further into this and I was like, oh my god, this is like so beyond true crimey at this point. Yeah, this is, this is very, very crime. Very crime. <laughs> very crime. <laughs> So in the um, early morning of Boxing Day 1925, at only 24 years old, Marguerite was reunited with her sister as she passed away in her home. Her parents left behind to bury both their daughters, though she did not die in vain, of course, as Marguerite was one of the very first to bring a lawsuit against the company, and that will never be forgotten. In 1926, Wiley was able to pass a new law making radium necrosis a formally co- formally compensable disease. That was a mouthful. <sighs> she thought it went too smoothly, and that's because of all the things they attached before passing it. So, like, the law was passed, but she was like, that was a little too smooth. Okay. Is something happening? The answer is probably. Uh-huh. You're making me nervous. Uh-huh. You should be. So what they had attached to it was that anyone injured before 1926 were not allowed to file a claim. And because it became part of the existing law, the five-month statute of limits was attached to it. Well, like, you know, we've talked about, but the symptoms do not show up in that amount of time. Like we said, it can take years, and the new law only covered radium necrosis, specifically aggressive jaw necrosis, meaning that every other issue that came with radium poisoning wasn't even covered. So they were just like, this one thing, within the five months, if you have severe jaw necrosis, that's it. Did you say radium? Did I what? Did you say radium? I don't think so. Okay. It sounded like it. <laughs> All, All right. right then that's what you got out of that. Uh, I'll believe you. Uh, <sighs> so I guess, unfortunately, that judge from part two was correct in saying, like, this is not going to be retroactive. Um. Yes, unfortunately, but it's also like, you're a fucking judge. Figure it out. Right. <laughs> Grace Fryer and Albina were both rapidly declining, and nothing was helping either of them, with Grace down to just three teeth left on her lower jaw, and Albina with locked hips making it almost impossible to do anything. Uh, Catherine Schwab refusing to leave her house unless for church was too rapidly declining and horribly depressed. So, I mean, nobody's nobody's good here. No. everybody, And, and it's not just the physical. It's the mental, too, because I, you're literally just sitting there waiting to die. You're wondering what body part is going to give out next, what piece of bone is going to pop out next, what's going to happen. You're just waiting to die. I can't imagine how scary that would actually be. I, it's, and I'm glad I can't imagine it, to be honest. Right. An article was published, and it was titled, Suits Are Settled in Radium Deaths. It stated that USRC had settled out of court on suits for Hazel, uh, Marguerite, and Sarah. The settlements were 9000 3000 and 1000 And it's something, but come on. That's ridiculous. Are you fucking kidding no, me? Yeah. No, 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 no. You're gonna you're gonna tell me that nine, three, and one thousand are are enough to cover the damages 
that you have caused, the it's, medical bills. Yeah, it's not even going to cover the medical bills. And they should have way more on top of that for everything that they have had to go through and that their families are going through. Right. You're literally killing them. Yeah. But yeah, here's just this little, little chunk of money and then we're going to, we're going to be good. Cool. Grace Fryer saw this article and she used it as fuel because she was like, fuck no, this is ridiculous. Maybe she, too, could get some of her medical bills covered and get the word out. But, like, it's hard again because we don't, they didn't have media. Like, they didn't have, like, Facebook. You know, they didn't have all these things to get the word out. Really, all she has is word of mouth and newspaper. That's, a, that's you know, it's not that much. It's, uh, it's like she she's going to take this and use it as fuel, but also she just, she doesn't have that much leverage with it. Yeah. Her claim was sent by her lawyer to USRC. They had their lawyers respond back and Grace was told that she could settle for 5000 Grace was pretty humble. She wasn't trying to be greedy. So she was going to, she was going to settle if they decided to not make a better offer for her. And it and it's just it sucks because I'm like, girl, I get it, but I keep fucking fighting. Yeah, but I mean, also when you're in that position, you probably don't want to fight. No, you probably don't. But yeah, you're probably right. USRC responded back that they would not offer her anything more and would no longer settle. Oh, so, okay. So now she gets nothing. Uh huh. Okay. So her lawyer dropped her case. Yep. Articles are still being published at this point as an attempt to cover everything up, and they were even using old publishing studies from people who no longer believed it was safe, but they went ahead and let that happen, and no one said a word about it. It's like people that literally, like, before were like, oh, it's safe as fuck, you can go ahead and use it, are now like, oh, never mind, it's not safe, but we're not going to say anything about them posting the articles about us saying that it is safe, we're just going to stay quiet. Okay, so the company doctor, Flynn, examined Grace himself and claimed that her blood looked better than his and she was completely healthy. So, do with that what you will. Her blood looked better than his? Right. What a weird thing to say. I know. Trust me. I know. But, again, do with that what you will. Him being like, oh, she's totally healthy. Is she, though? No. Right. Absolutely not. Like, why would you say something like that? Because, again, they're just covering everything up. This is so stupid. Yeah. Everything is just covered up. Didn't happen. Dr. Neff, uh, remember, he was the dentist who was helping a lot of these girls, got a little fed up with basically giving out services for free and a whole lot too cocky and went to USRC with a proposition. He was going to keep treating these girls, but he was going to keep them quiet as long as possible for the next four to five years. What? Uh-huh. Do you want to know why he chose that time frame? Uh, I'm going to guess it has something to do with how long they can um, file anything. Yeah, it's because he knew most of them were going to die in that time frame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. So he was like, huh. I can keep everything quiet. USRC would pay, you know, pay me a certain amount of money to take care of the girls. 
And then they're going to die before they are able to say anything anyways. That's really disgusting. Yes, it sure is. He fits right in. They basically told him to go fuck himself, and they had Dr. Flynn if they needed examinations done. And so even though he was being a sneaky little dickhole, they still were like, <laughs> no, fuck you, we ain't paying you shit, because why would they? Why did you think that they were going to do that when they just don't care? They, they are so good at covering everything up. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I guess I'm glad he got shut down because he's a piece of shit, and I don't want him to profit extra from right. it. And it sucks because in the beginning, you're like, yes, this dude's been treating them. Like, keep keep going, keep doing stuff, keep trying. Right. And then he's like, ha, JK, switching sides just so I can get some monies. So keep in mind that the girls at Radium Dial in Ottawa have basically zero clue what's happening over in Orange because, like I said, media. <laughs> they right. don't really yeah. have a way for it to get... All the way across to into New York. Can't you send a pigeon? <laughs> Isn't that how they did it? Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. Yeah, just send a bunch of pigeons over there. Yeah. That'll be perfect. Right. Just train them to pick out one of the specific girls that was working at the factory somehow. I, I think that's how they used to do it. I do. <laughs> Okay. Well, they definitely sent pigeons, but to certain places. I don't think they could just be like, oh, this person, go find them. Well, they didn't even know who any of them were. All right. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they have zero clue what's going on. They were using glass pens for a short time instead of the brushes, but that didn't last long and they went back to their old methods. So they did try to switch it for a very short time, but... Kind of like the other one, they were just like, nah, never mind. We're just going to go back to our original, deathly, uh, you know, things that we're teaching them and just have them do the lip dip, lip dip paint again. Makes sense. Poor Grace's condition was getting really, really bad. Her spine had been shattered and her foot had crushing and thinning of the bone. She was put in a solid steel back brace she had, that she had to wear daily and was only allowed to take it off for two minutes at a time. She was continuously being denied by everyone she tried to contact to help her legally, but was referred by Hoffman to an attorney by the name of Raymond H. Barry. So in May of 1927, she met with him and gave him a very lengthy statement. Just three days later, Catherine Schwab also contacted him. He conducted interviews with Von Sakaki and Martlin, then called Catherine and Grace back. He was going to take their case. Barry had an angle. The girls had only been diagnosed in July of 1925 by Martlin, meaning that the two-year statute of limits only started when they were diagnosed. So there you go. Okay, finally. <sighs> and May 18th, 1927, Grace's case was officially filed. Okay. So now you have an answer. Yeah. To how they're doing that. Okay. Okay. So we've got something here. A little something. Grace was suing for 125000 which would now be about $1.7 and damn, that girl deserved every freaking penny of it. Oh, yeah. Word spread fast about the girl who showed up to court in a steel frame, and more girls started coming forward, including Quinta, who could no longer bend over, her sister Albina, whose left leg was now four inches shorter than the right. Oh my god. I know. It, 
It's like every time I go back to one of them, it's doubled in worseness and it's just awful. Barry started filing lawsuits for whoever came forward and if they were married, for their husbands also. So he was going for filing lawsuits for the families also. He was like, we're gonna, we're gonna move forward with this. We're gonna do something. Good. And okay, I'm just gonna say right now, I am actually rooting for this guy. So if it turns out that he switches teams here and decides that he's in it for something bad, I'm gonna get very upset here. You are picking up a pattern. Wow. (laughs) I will say. Don't start with me. Okay, I'm not gonna say, you know what? You're just gonna have to find out <laughs> but you are picking up a pattern of a lot of the people in the story okay yeah it's unfortunate but yeah everybody kind of just flip-flops yeah in june edna also got a hold of barry after she was fumbling for her medicine in the dark saw herself in the mirror screamed and passed out because there staring back at her in the mirror was all her bones glowing through her skin She could see them through her skin. I don't even know what to say. I know. I know. It did. Ah. That's like the scariest thing. She could actually. What would you even do? Right. Scream and pass out. Uh, Yeah. That's about what I would do. That's exactly what I would have to do. Yeah. I mean, it's like you already know you're sick and and everything. And then one day you freaking look in the mirror and you're like, holy hell, I can actually see my bones through my skin. It is cool to see them when it's, like, bones, you know, in a museum or something. Uh-huh. But not through your own fucking skin. No. Ah! Okay, you're scaring me. I'm scaring me! Because I will tell you, in the last one, when you said there was... You kind of glossed over it. You went so fast, you were like, oh, yeah, one of the girls had, like, a black liquid coming out of her nose that smelled like garlic. And I'm like, huh? And now that's just, like, staying in my head. (laughs) Out of all the things, that's the one that stuck. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I have garlic bread upstairs. Please don't say that right now. (laughs) Oh, yes. No. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I'm not reminding you of that (laughs) at all. I'm reminding you of something very, very bad here. So, no. Okay. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> oh. In the summer of 1927, all five girls were officially part of this case, and so the fight began. Did you catch that tone of voice? Do you yeah. Know what's about to happen? That sounds like an ending voice. <laughs> and I. Megan, you are so, so, so good at this game. I do not approve of what you're doing right now. This is a... You are very good at this game, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. You've gone real good at it. Okay. Well, great. That means that you'll have to write more stories. Oh. Um, we will see. <laughs> I'm still distraught over the book situation, okay? That was god-awful. Okay, I I can understand how that's not for everybody because it is actually pretty complicated, especially on, like, your first one, Um, because I still get tripped up all the time when I use books. But, you know, you could just, like, watch an episode of Ghost Hunters and do something spooky next time. Well, that's what I normally do. Yeah. And then I go research it from there. Like, I find it on there exactly. and then I go research it. But 
never a book again. I I just can't ever do it again. But <laughs> I, I do really like this story. Uh, I'm gonna. So I mean, I, not what happened, obviously. Right. No, I was very, very, very like sucked into this one in yes. particular. But like, yeah, I I know I said it before, but seriously, like you you reading the books every time for them, I can't even begin to understand how you are capable of that because <laughs> I am very much so not. <laughs> It was not a fun experience. I I enjoyed reading the book. Yes. But it was taking the notes and and finding more research on the internet and then having to figure out where the fuck to put it in and having to go through my story a thousand times and then screwing everything up and all those. Yeah. Not my thing. The longer the story gets, the more complicated it actually is to use a book and other resources outside of that. I think if you were just following a book, then it would be totally fine. I don't know. I still hated book reports in school. They were the worst. Okay. I had the hardest time summarizing. I see. Yeah. Well, I can't help you. Okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that That's it. That's all I had. I okay. thought we were on the right track. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so make sure to follow us on any of your podcast apps. Tell us the stories you want to hear. Like us on Facebook, X, Instagram. Leave us a five-star review if you love us. Tell your friends. Tell your cats. Um, Bye. bye.